Hi, my name is Kevin McDonald, and I'm declaring my independence. Independence from what? Why, negative thoughts and energy, of course. Chief among them, hate, division, and fear. You see, I know that we're all one, and together we can solve any problem, save our planet and each other. Please, join me as we come together as one and choose a better way to be. So now, let's begin with my independence report. of my independence report you know it just seems like i did one of these yesterday okay maybe i did two but it doesn't matter i'm here today <laughs> it's today is uh the 24th of february and which is you know wednesday morning and wednesday at noon and uh today we have our our we have a really good show for you today so i hope that you'll hang around and tell people that you're uh that you're doing this and that they'll do it too because we've got a great show and like i said and eric hall is here he is and we're still debating what he is actually he's the transit either transient or transcend or some variation of there and uh he's he's a fellow bus driver he's also an author and a a wonderful guy and he brought a, a young lady that's going to talk to us about something that now I've only lived here in Washington state for 63 years. Oh, and so I'm a newbie here and, uh, but I've never heard of this before. And so this is something that I think is, uh, is I hope that's tobacco. Uh, this is something <laughs> that's, that's all right. Yesterday I made, uh, I, I made Corey uh, drink water. Up I saw that. I saw that. Spit it out through her nose. That was hilarious, man. <laughs> so I could never tell what's going to happen next. But uh, in any event, Eric is here. I'd like you to introduce our guest for the hour today. Our guest for this hour is a longtime friend, Christy Fedick. And she is an avid outdoors hiker. In fact, you're such a dedicated hiker. You will hike every weekend throughout the full year, right? Throughout the full year, yes. Rainer. Throughout the full year. And you've been doing this for years. Uh, pretty much since before I could walk, yes. My God, that's a that's an achievement. And Christy and I go way back. We went to the same grade school. Way back. Way it's back. You know, when they had, you know, these this was a one room building, it was one of those great log <laughs> log things and the farmer's wife was the teacher. <laughs> And she uh, she grew up on the golf course that was by her house that we used to sled on. And then um, junior high. And then she moved to a different city uh, in Monroe, actually, Monroe, and graduated high school and then went on to the Air Force. And then, like most people these days, they catch up with people on Facebook. Uh-huh. And that's, that's where we reconnected. And Christy is a wonderful watercolorist. Uh, budgeting new career for her and uh, she'll be doing the illustrations on my upcoming book uh, uh, what do you call it Uh, sunrise on the mountain of forests (laughs) but christy is here to talk about the hiking and she's uh, got all this great information about the forestry department and their shelters that they've built like over a hundred years ago up to through the 70s and anyway it's an interesting story and I'm I'm looking forward to having people know about this. That's pretty cool. First of all, Christy, you are part of the, I think they call it the 52 week club. The 52 week uh, club, yeah, that would be about- people that hike every weekend. There are, every- and there is a club that does that. I think. Well, I know that there are challenges out there that they call the 52 hike challenge and things like that. And I've completed that challenge every year for the last four or five years. You're crazy. I am, but that's what makes me. (laughs) See, that's, that's awesome. I've, I've made commitments like that, but it's been like a cheeseburger a week for, you know, 52 weeks. Oh, I've been successful at that. I was going to say, and that might be why I hike and you do not, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's probably very much it. <laughs> <laughs> that's very cool. So you hike a lot now. Uh, when in your travels, you ran, you run into something that 
I, like I said, I've been here my whole life. had no idea they even existed. Uh, tell us about what you found. Well, what we found or what I found was um, some backcountry shelters in the backcountry of the Olympics. And I, too, have lived here all of my life. My parents were outdoorsy, hiker, tree hugger folks like I am. We lived a lot outside in the Olympics, and I never encountered these things until about six years ago. And what are these things? What they are is three-sided shelters that were built um, roughly every five miles on the trail system of the Olympics. Um, at their height, there was 192 of them roughly, and um, 32 remain. And what do they look like? What are they, obviously they're built out of wood, but yes. what, are, what do they look like? Um, a majority of them are of a wood pole um, structure or construction with cedar siding. Um, and those were some of the earliest ones were of that construction. They all have um, either a sloped shed roof or what they call a split gable roof. Um, and then the ones that were built more recently, as in 1950 <laughs> forward, um, are of a solid wood construction, wood log construction, which um, made them hold up a little bit longer. They were a little stronger and plus it kind of um, deterred vandalism by not having cedar shakes that you could peel off and use as firewood well you know if you listen to yesterday's show you'd swear that maybe it was somebody like the, the palladians that had built these things but <laughs> or some other alien but but, <laughs> but who built these things um they were um built by rangers in they started in 1915 starting to build these 1920s in there. And then as the uh, Great Depression hit our country, our President Roosevelt put together or formed the Civilian Conservation Corps, which was part of the Great New Deal. And those people were sent out into our national parks and our national forests to build trails and um, structures to encourage people to get outdoors and into these wonderful public lands. And in that process, we ended up with a lot of our shelters being built at that time. So they were built the Civilian Conservation Corps. Uh-huh. Eric, do you have a question? Uh, no, I was just going to say, what a, what a great thing to do with our outdoors, you know, really encourage people to get out there and, and have a destination to go to that would be safe and uh, usable. Mm -hmm. And of course, along with that, go the trails. And that suggests that the trails are established and safe enough to use. And, right. you know, it's at that, uh, let's see, last weekend of January, <clears throat> I did the first interview with Christy and she was going to take me to one of these shelters, but it was snowed out. We had a fallen tree. Um, but we ended up going to a waterfall that was also gorgeous. So my point is just being out there in the outdoors, you know, it's it's almost as good as a cheeseburger. Uh -huh. Now, <laughs> I sent a link. I sent a link into the chat room. I don't know, Kevin, if you can bring that op up and be able to see one of these structures maybe even share it with oh you see you send it to the private link uh send it to the under comments send it to that one comment oh gotcha okay and that because the other one i can see but nobody else can that's the power that i have um, <laughs> oh so yeah send it send it under comments by the way if you're listening and want to participate in this uh, little shindig that we're doing today, you can do that by uh, just calling in or just um, typing in the chat that you'd like the link, and I'll send you the link uh, to uh, enter the studio, and you can either do it via video or you can uh, 
have a nice picture of yourself and just do it audio. So if you have a question for Christy and want to talk to her about that. Um, so there's start, there were there were a hundred of them. What happened to the rest? Did they just deteriorate over time? Well, some of them um, were lost to forest fire. Some deteriorated. Um, some were taken out by falling trees. I mean, they're wood structures, so the elements do definitely play a role. You know, wood does tend to rot. And um, others in the 70s were actually removed by the Park Service. Um, they were, they had revised their backcountry plan to remove all but 12 shelters. Um, they removed a sizable hand, um, handful of them. And met with um, extreme public outcry, which stopped the removal of them and left us with um, about 38. And then we've just lost more since then. Actually, we probably had about 45 at that point. Man. Wow. So now this is in the Olympics. Where is that in relationship to Mount Olympus? Um, there's actually two right at the base of the blue glacier on Mount Olympus. Oh, wow. Start at the Ho Rainforest and follow that trail all the way to its end. Um, about two miles, mile, oh, not even that, about a mile from the, the terminus of the glacier, you will come to the two smallest shelters. Oh, they, wow. They're roughly 10 feet square. They each have um, a single bunk side by side that are six feet long. So if you are any taller than six feet mm. long, ain't gonna fit um but they're beautiful beautiful structures well when those were built back in the day of like 19 early 1900s there weren't very many people that were over six feet tall <laughs> that's were, a good point I would think actually um these were just the two smallest shelters um the idea be behind making them smaller was that they would have a smaller um, footprint in the wilderness and do less less harm so what is the uh what do you what's the intent what do you what do you intend to do now that you've discovered this information well i started when i encountered the first one on a hike um i didn't think much of it you know asked asked two or three people and nobody really had much information to give me about them and then I went on a five-day backpacking trip. And a couple of days into it, we came across a shelter. And then we headed up and over the top of Marmot Pass and came to another shelter. And then when we came to the third one, which happened to have been the first one I'd ever seen, I finally turned to my sister who backpacks more than I do. And I was going, okay, what's the deal with these, these shelters? She goes, well, they're, you know, shelters. It's going, well, what are they for? Um, shelter. Okay. <laughs> where are they? Well, around. Yeah, but where? How many? I don't know. You know, well, a lot of help you are. And uh, so that actually, I'm a curious person by nature. So when I got home, I started doing some research and when I learned that there were only 33 of them, like, okay, I need to go and visit all these and try and find them. And then the challenge was on, you know, it's only 33 only. Um, so that that's what started the whole thing for me really is just the challenge of trying to figure out where they were because they don't show up on maps a lot of times. And you can ask a, shelter, a ranger and you'd be, Lucky to find a ranger who'd been to all 33. No kidding. Yeah. I have a thought. Jeez. Why don't you do a a map that you could sell uh, that lists all of these and put together a trail of, uh, of all of these that people could uh, go out and explore? Thus, the reason of doing a book. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I figured a book was coming. So once I started visiting them, um, it was kind of just a natural step forward to say, I should 
just do a book about these since I'm learning all this crap. So um, I'm taking GPS coordinates, noting what trails they're on and how far in they are, whether or not there's a privy, which ties right into your um, the conversation last week. Um, if <laughs> there and um, the history of that shelter when it was built, when it was restored, things like that. So, so some of them actually have like a little outhouse attached to them. Yeah, well, not attached. But yeah, probably a hundred yards away, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah a few yards. Hundred sounds good. Yeah, <laughs> it probably smells better too. Um, but, you know, that's so. So, how many of them? Do you know how many of them have these uh, the facilities? Um, I would say actually, I probably could look at my spreadsheet and tell you exactly, but I would say roughly. A third to half. Oh, wow. Wow. Now, go ahead, Eric. That's pretty good numbers. Mm -hmm. That's pretty good numbers. Because it's interesting. Christy is a person that will hike everything out. Yeah. yeah so if there isn't a privy, then she will you know, make sure. And leaving that uh, biodegradable substance behind and taking my toilet paper with me. See, that's dedication. That is indeed. That that's is indeed. Called, that's called leave no trail. Leave no or, trail. Or you or you could leave a you you know use a like a maple leaf or something. I don't know. You could, but you know, there's these other plants that grow in that same area as maple leaves called stinging nettles. Um, <laughs> they aren't so fun to utilize, and um, I from experience. Oh, oh, oh. Easy. have it easy. Yeah. It's oh, done. But us girls, we have to bear our bottoms to everything biting known to man. I feel sorry for you guys. I do. Yeah, we pretty much got it made for the hiking department just about anywhere where we're covered for most of it. Yeah. Pretty much. Now, does the U.S. Uh, Forest Service, uh, do they have a map of these, of where these are, or these had kind of fallen off the grid? There are maps out there that they show up on. There's different um, publishers of maps. So um, on the custom correct maps, they are actually noted on there, but on the green trails maps, they are not. So it just depends on the brand of map that you're using. And if you know where to look, because they don't have a great big arrow, it says shelter here. It's this little icon about this big with really, really, really tiny print. Wow. Oh, wow. See now I, last week and I, I, if you were listening, then you know, my, my suggestion for the U S forest service is to put together a, a trail that they could monitor the people that go on it and then they could you have to make reservations and then they could you know you'd stay at each one because they're what are, what are they about five miles apart uh well when they were built they were but now you can hike for 21 miles before you come to the one and only one on that trail oh wow so so they're on different trails they're not really connected in any way no, you could loop the trails together and hit a majority of them if you had enough time. But when they were originally built, they were five miles apart. And um, you would hike from one to the next one. And back then in the 20s and 30s, tents that were packable weren't commercially available like we have now. So you would just roll everything up in your wool blanket and you know a couple of cans of food and some dried beef and you would just hike five miles for the day to the next shelter now that sounds like a really good time you know <laughs> that's roughing it man that is roughing it. i really well, my little tent let me tell you yeah well, you know, and when I was a kid, we did a, uh, I did a couple 50 mile hikes. One was on the North Cascade Crest Trail, and the other one was actually in the Olympics. I don't exactly know where, but it was a, a 50 mile hike that we did. And it was, it, it was a great deal of fun that satisfied my curiosity about the outdoors for pretty much my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm regaining a new curiosity for it. 
you know, as you know, I do like to go out on boats. I love the water. But being in the forest is just amazing. And, you know, look at when Chris was talking about the whole rainforest. I looked up some of the images and I, I pasted a link there if people get a chance. But I remember, gosh, in grade school, maybe Christy, were you there? They took us on a field trip to the whole rainforest, which is quite amazing. North Seattle to the whole rainforest is uh, we the best school, didn't we? Yeah. You remember that? Were you there? Yeah. See, that's amazing. That's amazing. And back then they had the the plank trail, you know, and it's so gorgeous with the moss growing on. What is that? Spanish moss? Yeah, Spanish moss. Spanish moss. Yeah. And the way it, the hall huh? of What's that? What's that? That trail is called the Hall of Mosses. Hall of Mosses. Oh, I dig that. Hall of Mosses. There's a story in there somewhere. There is a story in there. It's, that's like a great title, Hall of Mosses. Oh, I have to remember that. It's yeah. Beautiful. By the oh, way, yeah. you Go like ahead. the water? Have you ever been on a three-hour tour? <laughs> a three-hour tour. <laughs> I have not. However, when uh, last Halloween I wore this hat while I was driving the bus, and people would sing that as they paid their fare. <laughs> <laughs> take their seat that's uh there we go anyway <laughs> you look just like him uh? can i be marianne yeah. yes you can yes. we gotta we have to find a ginger and a mr and mrs howell and uh the professor you know the professor lived uh, i think he's passed on now mm -hmm. but he lived in washington uh, in the uh, in the olympic area i heard that i heard that yeah so yeah what, what a shame well we all that's it happens to all of us it even happened to you know i i had a um a real tough moment because my, my idol rush passed away and uh, yeah I'm still recovering from that. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. It was it was a sad and I, I may he rest in peace. May he. Yes, indeed. So may he rest in peace. Yes. So how far along how far along on the we digress. <laughs> how far along on the book are you? I have visited 30 of the shelters. Um, I will be getting the last three, picking up the last three this year. Um, on two separate trips. One of them, I'll be gone for 12 days. Um, <laughs> and how far back is that? Um, about 28, 30 miles, 40 miles. It's back in there. Damn. And it's at the end of a little dead-end trail that nobody hikes. And I've had to bypass it twice already and so this year i'm picking up that shelter come heck or high water my gosh so it, it you know it boggles the mind a little bit that that even though there are 300 million 335 million people in this country there are parts of the country that people don't go to and the olympics is one of them right oh a lot of people go they just all hit the coastal side and kind of stay in what they call the front country so the first five miles of trail or right there on the beaches um, and they don't ever go any further than that and that's what they see is that front country which is beautiful don't get me wrong um, i was one of those people for decades and then i took my first extended trip into the olympics and into the true back country and was floored it's just spectacular and amazing, and there aren't words to describe the beauty. How is is it still mostly forest? Are there fields out there? What's uh, what's going on? Um, when you're in the river valleys, you're mostly forest, with a river runs through it, um, <laughs> and then as you're climbing up over all the multiple different ridges and passes, they will give way to alpine forest and wildflower meadows for as far mm. as you be. Man, that sounds gorgeous, man. Oh, I remember that. We were we were uh in one of the meadows and uh, uh some some deer came wandering up. 
they didn't they didn't they, they weren't scared of us at all hmm. um, but they they came wandering by just to say hey got something for us but uh, it, don't ever feed the animals though no that's a that's a really bad idea and uh i, I did want to ask you though um when you are hiking back there do you ever run across any wildlife yes i do we um uh, we had a bear this last year <laughs> that i could have reached out and touched a black bear yeah a little black bear <laughs> she was but yeah, she, uh, she was wandering down the trail, eating blueberries, had no intention whatsoever of yielding the trail to us. I mean, you know, we we're kind of in her backyard. So uh, we had to scramble up the trail as far as we could to give her her space. And so we saw 11 bear this year. 11. Wow. Mm -hmm. And they pretty much, do they run from you when they see you? Do they like make eye contact? They'll make eye contact and then turn and wander off. And with a bear, you kind of want to avert your eyes. You don't want to hold eye contact. Um, they see that as a challenge. And personally, I don't want to challenge a bear. <laughs> Whenever yeah. you're looking at me, I'll just lay down and, you know, I'll be the sacrificial lamb so everybody else can get away. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I want to help with you then. It's like, There's you no way I running it you don't have to outrun a bear you just have to run outrun the slowest hiker and you can push them down if you're quick enough I, <laughs> how do you think you know i got my injuries my pushed me oh my god <laughs> oh coward that coward <laughs> i i wanted to ask you also since you're in the back country in the land uh not very many people are there have you ever like heard a a howl or a sound that you couldn't identify? Um, I did not set this up. <laughs> this is him. This is uh, Kevin. I, I did not set this up. <laughs> yes. Um, down in Mount St. Helens area, I've had a audible and a visual sight. What I swear was but not in the Olympics. Oh, and, and you cut out when you said what it was. What did it, what did it appear to you to be? Sasquatch. Yeah, but you can, there's going to be people that say, yeah, and others that say I'm full of hooey, and that's fine. But there was a very audible tree knock. It sounded like a baseball bat hitting a maple. And it's a very distinctive sound. And it was at 3 a.m. while I was out on the trail. Um, nobody else was up. No, nothing else would have made the sound. And then um, our visual sighting, he was something very large, very tall, and on two legs. And definitely way hairier than any man I've ever known went across the road in front of us. Shit. Yeah. And, of course, there was the evening middle of the night where um <laughs> i was awakened in the middle of the night in my tent by my tent being shaken like this and i'm going there you can take your choice it was either a raccoon or something much i don't think a raccoon could get could get tall enough to shake no. the whole thing the whole and, we, yeah. and we know a bear wouldn't do that no no. See, I'm a, I'm just a, a, I don't know how you can go back out into the woods like that. I think that would end well. I know it would end my my excursions into the to the woods too deeply. <laughs> yeah, I'm just you just have to take it as it comes. You know, I've shared camp with a uh, a black bear and her cub knowing that they were right there. That was about the worst night's sleep I've ever got. Um and they just kind of hung out in camp wow. in the all night long. Um, you know, you hear stuff, owls, bats, um, coyotes will come through. They scare me more than anything else. <laughs> yeah, coyotes can be rough. See, I've had an encounter with a bear and a, what I believe was a Sasquatch. 
But the the bear, when I was building a cabin up in Monroe, it lived about a hundred yards or so away from the building site. Mm-hmm. And over the course of a few months, we sort of got to know each other in a way where I'd, I'd be out there at night with the campfire, you know, in my fire pit. Mm-hmm. And the bear would uh, rumble by maybe 15, five, five to 15 feet away from me and just <clears throat> just growl and, and make his presence known as he went by. But uh, we never gave each other any more problems than that. And for the most part, that's about the same experience I have with bears out on the trail. I acknowledge them. I respect their space. I am in their home. And I acknowledge that. And they acknowledge me as I'm there and I'm human. You know, I have thumbs, but they have size and power. So, you know, it's, it's, I just don't ever have problems with them. I don't feed them. I don't keep my food, you know, I keep my food in what they call a bear can. So, you know, it's not going to attract them. You know, I just, I try to be very safe while I'm out there. So I think animals recognize somebody that, uh, has good intentions or at least doesn't want to start anything. I think animals recognize that. I hope so. Uh, I'd yeah. agree with you. You know, I want to live to be old, so I hope they, <laughs> hope they understand that. Right. I'm still trying to get my head around the fact that you were on the trail at 3 o'clock in the morning. I know, right? Yeah. Well, there was a reason. We were... <laughs> Oh, it was that easy. Well, I get it. Yeah, we well. were studying Mount St. Helens, and we wanted to watch the sunrise over Mount Adams, which meant that oh. we had halfway up the the mountain at sunrise. So, oh, that's three a.m. The sun rises at five a.m. Yeah, well, that's a better reason than I had in mind. That's 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 <laughs> nice. Does when you, when you're out there in the wilderness like that, do you have a sense of freedom that you don't get anywhere else because you're the master of your own destiny? Yes, I feel um, more connected to myself and to the environment around me, the whole planet. I just I feel connected and. Um, I feel whole. So that gives, that gives you a sense of peace. Mm-hmm. Absolute. Even even when you're seeing a six foot seven uh, hairy man walk in front of the truck or walk in front of you. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. good. I'll tell you what. I admire you got intestinal fortitude like no other. <laughs> I'm telling you what. Because it's it would be scary as hell. If, if I, if, if you had a Sasquatch and then, and then you come back and you say, you wouldn't believe what I saw and no, they won't believe what you saw. Yeah. And you know, it's like I said, you can call hooey on it or you can say yay for you. And, um, you know, it's just, it's an experience. And if you're sitting at home on your couch playing video games and watching DVDs or Netflix, you're not going to get that experience. No, yeah, hiking, hiking video games. Want granted. <laughs> I don't think they have hiking video games. They're, they're, those would be too slow for the for the kids today. Um, they, they they like quick stuff. I wanted I wanted to ask you though. Um, since you've had this experience with what you believe to be a Sasquatch, um, ha- and sure you you're sound to me like a researching kind of person. Um, are the sightings as prevalent today as they used to be? We just don't hear about them because it's kind of like a little ho-hum and, and, and stuff that are they different or or are they the same as they used to be? They, I think actually in the Mount St. Helens area, people are having more sightings, especially in the area that I was at. Um, my sighting wasn't the only one that week. Um, and so I think that you really kind of touched on it, that it's just kind of blasé, it's ho-hum. It's, yeah, okay, another sighting. And those who believe, believe, and those who don't, just blow it off. So in the research that you've done, and and obviously, Eric, you're not as forthcoming about your experience as as she is, because... Apparently, you, you you might think somebody's gonna think you're kind of nuts, but well, if, 
to be fair, most people do already. That's I, true. And well, that's okay that. with me. Known that well, for years. <laughs> right? 50 years. No. Um, you know, maybe I should just talk about it because people do. I have shared it with people pretty readily, but I don't go into it too deeply. And since the encounter, I, I've done a bit more. I don't know if you can call it research, but certainly finding out more information, being open to what's out there. And I see it differently than probably as most people do. Um, I'm kind of, uh, as I did not have a visual experience of it, I did not see it. Uh, but what happened, it can only be a human or a Sasquatch. And I know that it was not a human. Because humans don't act like that, and they don't make those sounds. Um, what happened was I was camping in a tent by this cabin I was building, and it was about 3 a.m., 3, 4 a.m., and I heard uh, somebody approaching on a deer trail that went down to the lake, that my tent was between the lake and a logging, a logging road. And I know of a state trooper that would run on this road every morning about 5 a.m. And he didn't have much of a sense of humor. He would just say hi as he, as he ran by. And this, uh, this thing that came up through the deer trail, through all the, the brush, uh, came up and poked the top of my tent right, be, right above where my head was. And it scared the living hell out of me because you, I knew for sure that uh, it was not the bear because that was not the sounds of the bear. And it was very contemplative as, as it was poking. Mm, 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 mm. And you could hear it breathe and it was really deep and it would exhale and it took a long time. And these were big lungs. I mean, there's a lot of details in this encounter. And I did not have a weapon. I had a shotgun stored up at the building site and my machete was outside the tent. So I had nothing. I knew that I was up, you know, I'd be outpowered. So I just laid there uh, in fright until it left a couple of minutes later, a minute or two later. And I got up, uh, as the sun came up, and it was probably 4.30, and started my fire, started cooking my breakfast, and the trooper ran by, and I thought, well, if it is him, I'll be able to tell, and it was our normal greeting as he ran by. And I know the thing headed back down through the brush uh, and not up towards the logging road. Now, I didn't know what it was then because I didn't know much about uh, Sasquatch except for when you're a kid, you know, you saw Monster Quest. But I heard these stories uh, from Native Americans. I thought, hmm. And I heard another one. There was another camper that had somebody poke their tent. And that's when I started to piece things together. And looking back through the years, there's been other things that uh, I can attribute to uh, one of these creatures. So I'm convinced there's one up there. Why is it that you think, are they that intelligent? Yeah. And they must be nocturnal because uh, both of your encounters were 3 o'clock in the morning. Um, so they, they hide out in, during the day and um, are out more at night. And why do you think we've never, <clears throat> we've never caught one? Well, I think it's about migration rather than hiding out. And I think they're nocturnal because they've always been nocturnal. And there's a lot of theories about what they are. And, you know, I certainly don't know because, like they say, I don't have one in my garage to study. Yeah. But there's so there's a lot of theories out there about what they are. And there are people out there. I mean, you're, you're familiar with the predator with he can uh, make him make camouflage sure. by bending light. You know, there's theories about that, and then there's theories about the lights that follow the Sasquatch. So these theories sort of build up to they could be uh, another dimensional creature. And there's theories that they're uh, been around since biblical times, and they're the Nephila. If you're familiar with them from the Bible, these giants. 
You have uh, studied. Yeah, a little bit. But in my opinion, based based on what I'm watching, I think they're another kind of human that are smarter than us, that uh, receive everything they need just by existing on the earth. And here's why. Because as you know, the Neanderthals, they didn't change their way of living for 150,000 years. Right. No new tools. There wasn't any cultural impact that changed the way they did, except for, you know, having sex with humans and be, having themselves bred out. But through those all those years, they never changed their patterns of behavior too extremely. They did enjoy art. They did enjoy ceremony. They did enjoy a language. But I think what they enjoyed the most was being part of the earth. And they didn't need all of the things that humans do. You know, we have this constant uh, grasp of, uh, oh, I need a new car. I got to get a new painting. I got to get... Uh, Got to get that new book. I got, you know, all this stuff. And Neanderthals and perhaps Sasquatch, they've been given everything they need, just like the robin that's flying in, in your yard right now. They have everything they need. They're happy. They just have to experience the world. That's what they're here for. And in my opinion, uh, how does it get better than that? Why do you need to improve on that? If you're happy with where you're at, what's the, what's the need? In fact, what would not be the danger of making contact with humans that have ha have a long track record of either uh, destroying the cultures around them in one way or the other or destroying the environment around them in one way or the other. So Sasquatch, in my opinion, probably are very, very intelligent and part of this earth. And, uh, ooh, you know, they come near us. And they go away. Christian, what do you think? I think that we as humans are locusts and we're destroying our planet. So locusts. if we're trying to avoid us, they're smart. Well, we that we can't go into anywhere without destroying every natural resource. We have proven, um, at least as white Europeans, that we cannot step foot on a land without um, colonizing and colonizing means eradicating all indigenous life forms. Um, we have a track record and it goes back to our first appearance in history as white men. That's what I think. I think that we're horrible. So tell me what you really think. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I couldn't go ahead. I'm sorry. I believe in unicorns and mermaids, of course. <laughs> well, you should have listened to the show yesterday. <laughs> we had those. Uh, and we had Palladians and stuff. And we had reincarnation and, and stuff. And, and But, you know, a lot of those things that we don't understand uh, are true. But the one thing that I can tell you that we do understand is you're absolutely right. If we do not change our way of living and our way of being we are going to the earth is i believe honestly and that i believe the earth is going to withstand anything that we throw at it but it might mean that it will be our to our detriment and to our demise it will be to our demise um in 1910 uh when all of this was coming about and the forest service and everything was in its infancy they were saying back then that we need to stop we are too short-sighted and here wow. it is 110 years later and we have not learned we still live in today we are still raping all of our natural resources without any regard for long-term consequences to ourselves and our planet it's kind of the only home we have so that's part of why I encourage people to get out and enjoy what we have while we still have it, but also to practice leave no trace because, and by leave no trace, I mean, go out there, leave only your footprints, take only photos, make as minimal an impact as absolutely possible and leave nothing behind, you know? I was I was listening to Bill Gates yesterday. He had an interview with uh, 
news host, and they're getting in in depth about his uh, book that's coming out. And he, as you know, he's uh, an environmentalist, has environmentalist sympathies, even though he's got a huge carbon footprint. He he admits to this, but he's saying we have thirty years to change everything that we do, so we have a zero carbon footprint. That means manufacturing everything we manufacture. We but, should make sure emissions and, and garbage is taken care of. 30 years. They estimate that we reached our tipping point in roughly 1952. We're on the slide. Really? 1952? 1952. Well, if you think about it, if you think about the Industrial Revolution uh -huh. as we understand it, uh, we have been in that for less than 150 years. Yeah. Yeah. And so we've polluted the place pretty thoroughly in the last 150 years with the carbon and with all of that. And, and it's the changes are going to happen so radically and they're going to happen so fast that, uh, and you're right, we, we can't, we have to stop it. We have to stop it now, but it may be, it may be too late. We're already seeing the, the, the Texas. <laughs> I live in Texas. We're not gonna have us no weather down here that's gonna cause us to do anything like like you know, you know like reinforce some cold stuff. We got it's hot down here. We're gonna be fine until last week, in which they lost power for for four or five days and water. This is Texas, mm. a city. Houston, which is like 7 million people, and they were telling them to boil water if they could get water to boil. It's like, really? Yeah. That's, that's really and, going on here. And their leadership is blaming the Green New Deal. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Which doesn't exist. It's an idea. That's All that clean energy. If we weren't on natural gas, this wouldn't have happened. If we... Right have wind turbines this wouldn't have happened and of course the, don't get me started on the wind turbines but um yeah it's which, which they have in sweden and norway and yeah. you know iceland yeah yeah um, well we haven't got enough the, the 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 issue is that we have enough natural resources like like solar mm -hmm. in places like um if we if we were see in in, in in the 1950s, we built a road system, a freeway road system that went from coast to coast, went, went everywhere. In the in the 1800s, we built the railroads that went from coast to coast. We can do big things if we decide we want to, if we have the will. And I think that, that we could put uh, panels in Death Valley and, and in other places that get uh, 350 days of sunshine and we could send that to other places. I mean, we, we have the technology to be able to do that and we can make it and we can make it work if we only have the will. Well, you know, right. we take some of these strip malls that are dying out and tear them down, churn them up and plant trees. You realize nice. that in the time that we've been in America, which is what? 300 years. Yeah. We have decimated over 90% of the forests in North America. Ah, damn. Well, and and in South America, they are still doing that. They're losing what 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 was it? Like 50 miles a day? Yeah. yeah. Of of rainforest that that they're just burning up so that they can uh farm, farm it and make money from it and that sort of thing. So it goes right back to that short-sightedness. It's cash now. It's a cash crop. Yeah. And so it becomes it becomes really really a uh, a problem. And I I'm 63, like I think I've said incessantly. But my kids are 30 and 28. They're going to be the they're going to be my age when all this is going to go down, and they're going to have to live with it. And that's that's it's a shame that we've done that to them. It is. It is. So they should get out and enjoy what's out there and learn to love and respect it now and how to take care of it so that they have it when they are your age. That is a, that's a, a wonderful goal for all of us to mm -hmm. 
um because you know i i admire what you do um going out every weekend and and hiking all the time and being and being part of that and then and then doing it the right way um because there are so many people you've been you've been on the coast and you've seen what have that first five miles going inland uh from people that people hike mm -hmm. it must just break your heart to, to see oh, it, it does you know and i started my son hiking before he could walk and I've got a six-year-old granddaughter that thinks that hiking is just about the best thing since Charmin toilet paper and <laughs> band-aids with Hello Kitty on them. <laughs> and every child that I take into the forest, I teach to love and respect the forest. And we have conversations about leave no trace. We have conversations about the cycle of life. We have very interesting age-appropriate conversations. Six-year-old granddaughter is hoping on the next trip to be able to see some fairies in the woods. Um, I told her she's going to have to learn to be a little bit quieter because fairies are quite shy. <laughs> but that's teaching her to, A, shut up. Um, <laughs> be aware of other creatures around her. So she's starting to listen when she gets out there to birds. Was that a bird singing? What kind of a bird was it? Was it maybe a fairy? It's like, well, I'm pretty sure that one wasn't a fairy, but I bet you it was a chickadee, you know? And so we have those conversations. She is also learning to face fear and to overcome obstacles, that personal obstacles. And I do that with every one of my grandchildren. I have 12 of them. Um, and every one of them that goes out with me learns lessons like that. Wow. I can only hope that when they are grandparents, there is still a forest for them to take their grandparents to, and they'll pass on those lessons. So did you start having kids when you were, what, 10? Um, eight and a half. Eight and a half. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Boy, the math wasn't working. He was 40, and I'm only 48. So what the hell? Wow, you know, you you. <laughs> well, I gotta tell you, you're quick. You're quick. That's good. <laughs> it's good to be quick. <laughs> well, you know, this is the and, and as always happens on this show, we start somewhere and we end up totally somewhere else. Um, next time we're going to talk about the three-hour tour, but I wanted to remind everybody that when we started <laughs> talking about this. We were talking about uh, the the shelters that <laughs> the shelters that are in the Olympics. There are thirty five of them or so, and uh, and uh, Christy is going to map them out. And there's going to be a book that's going to come out, and that led us to talk about the strange and wonderful world of Sasquatch, and and then the uh, the doom of our planet. So we've pretty much covered it all. <laughs> it's in, been in, fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's awesome having you on. Will you come back? Absolutely. Oh, that'd be great. That'd be great. You know, I have to, I have to finish a thought here because you guys remember mo the movie Soylent Green? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And the death scene. Yep. Where, you know, the old man gets pushed into the room and wow. he picks out a uh, combination A or something like that. And it's the beautiful being in the woods with the deers going by and the pretty wildflowers and, and, I think it was Bach playing in the background. Maybe it was Mozart. I can't anyway. remember was playing, but... Um, yeah. yeah, but that that was what he chose to see, was this beautiful forest setting uh, before they turned him into, you know, green. Yeah, so on that line, um, go to Walmart, look on the top shelf in the health food section. There are bottles of um, protein Soylent. called Soylent. Yeah, we advertise those on our metro buses. Soylent. Really? Oh my. <laughs> what, what are they made out of? They're um, people. Only the, people. <laughs> Stay the green people. Stay away from the green. <laughs> I don't know if their marketing department do that movie exist or didn't know that movie existed. I mean, either way, it's it's uh, funny. Oh, I know. <laughs> I don't. I don't think that they think it's that funny. It remains to be seen. <laughs> Unless they really don't care if they sell any of this stuff or not, you know. That might be it, you know. 
might be it. They sell. I know I'm not buying any. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I might well, give away as gifts. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it has been it has been a very quick fun hour i'd like to thank you both and uh eric thank you for bringing christy along with you it was my pleasure thanks for coming along christy this is great I, i'm looking forward to having you back for more more stuff i enjoyed myself thank you gentlemen see i was i was still stuck on the fact that you've known each other since elementary school yeah i think since kindergarten kindergarten or first grade yeah, something like that. We probably shared a blanket in kindergarten. I that think. So. <laughs> <laughs> huh? Oh, baby. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> I was a cougar even then. My gosh. Because <laughs> I don't even know anybody that I knew when I was when I was a, in, in kindergarten. So I I don't even have any high school friends left. It's it's, it's really been, it's so sad. Even on Facebook? Uh, well, a couple of them, but I don't. See, I do this. I don't know if you know, but I do this podcast, and sometimes it gets off the rails, and we talk about some interesting things that a lot of people yeah. don't really want to talk about. So they they, yeah. they kind of put me in the he is friggin' weird category sometimes. Oh, I know that category. Yeah. I, yeah. He loves me. <laughs> That's right. See? I have friends from grade school that I'm still in touch with that I never fell out of touch with, um, junior high and high school. And my military. I'm still friends with some. Uh, I'm just an awesome person to get to know. Nobody wants to let me go. Oh, well, see, there it is. There it is. And when I make friends on Facebook, people usually answer, you again? But, <laughs> but they do accept my friendship, yes. Well, maybe grown up. Yeah. Well, you made it. <laughs> Now, you've got some friends from high school. I know a couple of them, and they, they yes, seem they to do. Well, yes, they do think I'm in the world, yes. They don't talk to me, but they talk to, they talk to you and about you. So, yeah, they talk about you. Oh, they do not. They, they do, too. They say a lot of great things. Do they, Kevin do and they, I know some people. Huh? Do they ever talk about the podcast? Do they ever mention that? Uh, we've had conversations about it, yes. And what do they do? They Do they say... He he! I don't know what happened to him, but he just went off the rails. He's he's <laughs> he's, he's he lost his mind somewhere. No, they, it goes more. Of, he is an awesome guy and so talented at uh, the podcast and the radio show. So they have so many good things to say. And you're such a bad liar. No, that is what you know. I get embarrassed how much they say good things about you. I, you know, even uh -huh. I get embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> God. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Christy. Thank you for being here. Is there anything now? This is this is when. <coughs> excuse me. This Bless is when you. we get sure. the soapbox out, and you get to stand on the soapbox, and you get to uh, tell the world anything that you would like the world to know. I would like the world to know that it is vitally important to every person to get outdoors, even if it's to a local county park. Get outside. Take advantage of the parks. Take advantage of a little bit of time in nature. Every person can at least do that and respect the environment around you. That's my soapbox. Thank you, Eric. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. I I attend to that. You know, they you get outside, it's like three hours of therapy just by being alone in the woods or with uh, one of your best friends. Seeing them beautiful views, it doesn't get better than that. It doesn't. Amen. No. And I would just like to add one small thing. As you're taking everything that you brought in with you back out with you, make sure that you have a special place for that so that nobody else is going to go in and find this uh, um, little bag of, uh, you know, stuff and things. So, but <laughs> <laughs> like, don't. Don't go into that bag. That you're not going to like it once you get there. No. So it, it's great fun. So Christy, please, please, please come back. We've got a lot more to discuss. I think. Absolutely. And uh, uh, you you sound like you sound like a kindred spirit. 
So I'm glad, really glad because, uh, as you know, this podcast is all about uh, uh, de- declaring our freedom from hate, division, and fear. And uh, if we can do that, we can live life a little bit better for everyone. Indeed. Mr. Eric, thank you so much. And thank uh, you, sir. Christy, thank you so much, and thank you for bringing her. This is this has been a fun hour, and you'll find this on YouTube. You'll find this on the podcast, and I have a new website that's going to come out. <laughs> Yay! Yeah, awesome. It's going to have all my stuff. It's going to have a little store because uh, um, uh, and I I've got. I'm going to make t-shirts that have different sayings on them and, and stuff like that. That'll be fun. And that kind of thing, I hope. So we'll, we'll see, we'll see how that works down the way, but uh, that's, so I'm working on that now is to get this uh, brand new website up. So that'll be fun. So awesome. uh, uh, when that, when that happens, I'll let everybody know, but Christy, thank you. And, and anything you'd like to say again, and, and, I don't think so. I think I've said what needs to be said. Just thank you so much for having me on. It's been great fun. Eric? Thank you. It's been terrific. Looking forward to more. And thank you both. And Eric and I will see you next next week. We don't know who we're going to show up with at this point, but we'll see. So thanks again. And by the way, be kind to one another. Take care of each other. Each other is all we got. See you next time. Hey, and thanks for listening to this episode all the way to the end. Hey, pretty cool. Hey, don't forget to follow us so you can receive regular updates and new posts. And remember, take care of each other because each other's all we've got. See you next time on My Independence Report.